Welcome to the Listics AFL podcast, where we analyze AFL list building, free agency, trade, and the draft. We're also working to help everyone achieve their best possible mental health, and we'd like to acknowledge our podcast partners, Beyond Blue. If you're feeling low, anxious, or you need to talk to someone, please contact the team at Beyond Blue. You can call them anytime on 1300 22 46 36, or visit them at the website at www.beyondblue.org.au. Now, without further ado, I'm John Van Norden. And I'm Sean Lewis, and it's Listics Podcast Time. We're back, Shawnee. We are. Back in black or red, depending on you and me. Uh, I think you're wearing no, black. I'm in blue. Oh, okay. It looks black on the camera. I'm wearing red. That's pretty clear. Um, this is the most riveting start to an episode I reckon our listeners have ever heard. Um, they're, they're getting the visual, um, the freshly sa- shaved John. So I don't have I don't have a beard at the moment. I've just lopped it off and lost about fifteen centimeters of face that I would normally have or yep. appear to have. Yeah, but you you uh, I wouldn't say you've completely lopped, you've lopped you've lopped the length off. You've still got a little bit of stubble, man. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah. I didn't want to like my wife was a little bit freaked out when she um when she saw my face without it. Um, takes her a little while to start recognizing me again, but. We'll get past that. Um, how is your week going? Uh, all going well. We're about um, to start a week, actually. Sunday night podcast. I know. Tell me about Coming it. Coming at um, you. Yeah. Um, yeah, all went well. Uh, it's been a good weekend. Um, slowly chipping away, getting the house closer to being on the market and finding our next place. So, um, yeah, that's really all our focus is. Um, how about you, mate? What's news? Not a lot of news. Um, similar to you with looking at houses, which is always fun. Um, but no, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling like the only thing that's like a subtle pressure, and this is at the end of last year, um, I set my, or the start of this year, depending on which way you look at it, my New Year's resolution was to write 30,000 words of my book. Um, so I've been writing a book for about 12 months now um it's coming along very slowly and pretty much all weekend i've just sort of had that like you know sick feeling at the back of your throat top of your gut like i should be doing more spending more time on that um so that's probably the only thing that's really affecting me mental health wise at the moment um and i mean i like that feeling because it's terrible um and it (laughs) makes you start doing things to avoid that feeling. So I had to knuckle down on that and punch out 30,000 words in a couple of months. Nice. Sounds yeah. like a, a bit of fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Got to got to do something. Got to hold myself accountable to my stated goals. Um, <laughs> how's your mental health? Yeah, look, yeah. Like I said, we're, we're going pretty, pretty well here. Um, I think my wife and I enjoyed a, a weekend yesterday getting out and about. Um, and I think it was because um, since our daughter started childcare, it's probably the maybe the first or second weekend we've had without one of us having an illness, one of the three of us. Yeah. Um, for those that um, have kids and kids that have been in childcare, they'll be well aware that... Um, uh, it's it's um how do you say uh 
it's a roller coaster ride childcare. Um, it's great because it's social and it's good for kids and everything. Uh, the flip side is they catch absolutely everything known to mankind. Um, I, there are a bunch of diseases I'd never even heard the name of before that we've had run through the house now. So, um, but yeah, we're in the clear at the moment, which is great. Um, Ava's happy as Larry. Um, Steph seems happy. <laughs> so we're all going well for once. And we, we had a nice, a nice day at the beach um, as well yesterday after we finished looking at houses, we wandered down to, to a local beach and, and just had a bit of a nice time in the cold on the beach. It was freezing cold. Um, would have been what seven, eight degrees. Oh, I don't know. Shorts was... weather. Yeah, I mean, if it's above five. It's short weather. <laughs> uh, mate, it would. Um, luckily, it, all year round, um, it's pretty much shorts weather. Um, where this next club is from, uh, we are reviewing the Brisbane Lions. So we haven't got to. We didn't get to review them last year. Um, but they yep. performed, um, very well. Um. Not above expectation, but I, I mean, probably above expectation in terms of we expected them to slide back a little bit. Um, I remember us in twenty in the end of 2019, both sort of thinking that Brisbane would slide back three or four positions just because they had such a good run with the draw and a good run with injury. Injury, yeah. Um, they had, they maintained that run with injury. Um, maybe they the dropped away a little bit this year. Um but they were able to perform despite the draw getting harder. They play some of their best football against the best teams in the competition. So, um, yeah, they've been a really impressive club for a couple of years now. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, but I think probably it, it's a bit like um, it's a bit like Hawthorne in a way. Like they part of part of why they're doing so well is is down to um, essentially their injury management. And we'll discuss it as we go through the list. But, you know, realistically, um, the Lions are competing now. But, you know, they've also got a lot invested in the future across their list, um, which we'll, we'll see as we go through it. But it, it just kind of, you know, it it's one of those things where, you know, you always kind of think, oh, they're, you know, they're three or four big injuries away from... Um, uh, basically Slide. the season yeah. over yeah um but they just their medical team is just doing a wonderful job i mean they've got lincoln mccarthy who couldn't get right at geelong they've got him playing regular football which is a huge thing they've got virtual fit and firing and, and that's coming off hawthorne who have an excellent medical team and they've managed to keep virtual relatively going um yep. you know um there are a couple of guys who had in, some injury history. Sorco had some injury history. He's back and firing. You know, they're keeping some of their older players like Dan Rich and stuff going. Um, they kept Steph Martin pretty much going for three years. And, you know, at the moment he's been injured with the dogs. Um, like there's just, there's, you know, you kind of go through and you, you realize like whatever they put in the water up there is, is magic. Um, yeah. And it's and it's great. I mean, that's what you want. You want your best players on the park every every week, and backing your medical team as hard as they do enables them to compete now and also start the work on the future, um, which is very much what their list is about. So, yeah, take. I mean, take us through it because um, it yeah, it's an interesting list breakdown. Yeah, absolutely. So average age, they're uh, twenty three point nine, the fourteenth oldest in the AFL. So or 
sixth fifth youngest, youngest, fifth yeah. youngest yeah, yeah, whichever way you want to cut it. Um, average games is 60.7, so 12th overall. So, you know, mid-pack experience, slightly young age. Um, but then when you actually start breaking it down, you go, you know, players over 30, they've got four players. Um, players over 26, between 26 and 30, they've got 10. They've got 11 in the 22 to 26 bracket. 20 players, 45% of their list is under the age of 22 or, yeah. or 22 or under. Um, and, and then when you start looking at the games distribution, they they have, um, you know, 30% of their games in the, the top four most experienced players. Um, and then they've got another 1,140 in the next band down, that 26 to 30. So definitely you're starting to see that skew, um, you know, towards the top. They've got 67% of their games over the age of 26. Um, and then, you know, that that's still actually quite low for a team where they are on the ladder. Yep. Um, I don't think, um, off the top of my head, I don't think Richmond was like that. Uh, what was Richmond? No, Rich- Richmond were more experienced than that. I mean... Yeah, they were 80%. So they're, 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 they're you know, they're, what's that, 13% behind Richmond in that bracket. And then they've got... But they have a lot more games in the 22 to 26 bracket. And then they've got, you know... Nine percent of games under the age of of twenty two, with such a huge component of their list under twenty two, it makes sense that 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 would be like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think probably the thing with Alliance is that their game day team compared to their overall list profile look looks quite different. Um, yeah. The guys who are over thirty are all playing regular football. The guys between twenty six and thirty are all playing regular football. There's no people in that age bracket really who are just either holding on to a list spot or injured they're they're all playing pretty much every single game yeah and, and look you you i mean you stack them up against say geelong who are probably the most experienced team in the comp at the moment um on a game day um and you know geelong's when they played a few weeks ago geelong's tracking at you know 28 and a half um and 150 160 games of experience almost um brisbane's you know, 25 and a half and about 100 games of experience. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're still not at the Geelong level of experience, um, but, you know, they're competing, you know, the Ds and them are competing and you go back to the game between them, you know, 26 versus 25 and they're carrying, you know, almost 20 games more experience than the Demons in that game. So you can see that they're, they're, they're kind of in that, you know, their list kind of feels like it's in that nice crossover, but their game day side is is just a real like it's got a great body of experience and the way they've built their list as well and we'll go into this a bit later because it's in the good um the way they've built their list is kind of the way we always talk about it's like at 25 if a player is going to make it they'll, they'll stay on the, you stay you keep them on the list if they're yep. not then it's off and brisbane are built that way um when you go through it so um, yeah, look, excellent. Um, it really fascinating list from that perspective because they are very different. So um, take us through the depth chart, mate. Yeah, well, um, so three key forwards, seven general forwards, 16 mids, six rucks, nine general defenders and four key defenders. So pretty similar to a couple of the teams that we've seen 
towards the top of the ladder, being midfield heavy um, and only a few key forwards and key defenders. Um, and the key forwards and key defenders typically uninjured and playing every single week. Um, and I mean, that's one of the interesting things I was noticing. They've got three key forwards and every one of them is playing. Um, they've got four key defenders. I think one of them is injured and the other three are playing. Um, so Payne, um, what you call it? Marcus Adams and, uh, who's the other one, Payne, Marcus Adams and Harris Andrews yeah. are all playing and they would have one taking over that spot from Payne typically. Um, so what's Gardner? Gardner's a key defender. Isn't Gardner's it? a key defender. So it, he's, it's, he's injured though. He's injured. That's what I mean is that they've only, like they've got seven players across their two key roles and all of them are playing except for one who's injured. It's not a lot of depth in those areas. Like it's not a lot before it starts falling away and becoming a bit shallow. Um, they do have six rucks, and a few of those are ruck forwards, um, which provides a little bit more depth. But I'd probably still like to see, um, just in case, some some extra depth in those well, areas. They do have they have seven blokes, two hundred centimeters or over. Yeah, I mean that's that's almost too tall to be like. I mean, I know that Fullerton was playing that role earlier in the year as that third key forward. Well, he's a one ninety nine. He doesn't even fall into the two hundred. So, so he doesn't even eight. fall. He doesn't even fall into two hundred. But it, I mean, it showed that he wasn't really um, agile and nimble. He he was pretty handy for a big man in terms of how he moved. But key forwards can be like anywhere really between sort of one ninety three and two hundred. Um, and there's a difference in the role that those guys play. Typically, the 200 centimeter guys typically stay closer to goal. The 193 to 195s typically move up around the ground. So, I mean, it's not a biggie. Um, as I said, I, I think that maybe I'd just like to see a few, like maybe a player like a, a Mitch Brown um, type of player on their list, just providing that sort of backup just in case they have an injury so that they keep a similar structure. But all in all, pretty well-balanced lists. Um with a good amount of mids that can transition into those half forward, half back roles. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think yeah, I think they've got a like a pretty good um, specialist skill set as well. So like they're they're like general forwards, you know, guys like McCarthy and that, um, and their general defenders. So like um, Stasevich, Archie, these types of guys, like the real role players. I think they've just got a you know a really good core group of great role players. And, and I think that when you – it was funny. When we were talking about the key players, you know, there's there's 10 names I could write in there. But then after the 10 names, you kind of start struggling. Yeah. It's like, you know, it, it's just – it's got like an even bit of really nice class and then just a really even bit of, of really good role players who, who yep. just – yeah. And, and I think it's – yeah. I mean, so – fascinating we haven't looked at them for two years and just my thought process around them from two years ago is just completely different yeah same um, so key changes mate yeah so uh listings jacob allison cedric cox matt eagles mitch hinge Corey lyons sam skinner toby Woolup. probably not a whole lot of surprises there retired alan christensen they traded uh alex witherden and pick 86 for pick 58 and a third round pick. Um, looks to be an okay trade at the moment. Um, Nakai Cockatoo came in for a future third round pick from Melbourne. 
Um, they were able to bring in Joe Danaher, which was sort of the biggest part of their offseason as a restricted free agent. Um, he's been super handy for them, and he's only probably going to get better uh, while he adjusts to life in Brisbane. Uh, through the draft, they selected... Uh, oh, they also, sorry, traded out Steph Martin and picked 70 for pick 63. So that was probably more just facilitating Steph Martin's move than anything else. And, uh, and, point, and points for the Blake Coleman bid. Points for the Coleman bid. So Coleman was their academy pick at 24. They also took Harry Sharp and Henry Smith at 43 and 48. They also did a frustratingly high amount of pick swaps. <laughs> um, so no, I'm not may, gonna... Maybe one, two, skip a few. and. Oh, yeah. So a lot of them are like... 42 for a third round pick, two third round picks. It's like, okay, that's fine. Like a lot of those sort of picks back and forth between them. What it sort of netted was that they, um, they're probably the, the hallmark one. I'll go the hallmark one was um, Brisbane getting a second round pick, which was 25 uh, and two fourth round picks, uh, 68, 69 and a future first round selection. So they were able to get Melbourne's first round selection Melbourne received two first-round picks. They were 18 and 19 and a future second-round selection. So, not a, I mean, not, not a bad trade for either club. Good, good yeah, trade. Good. Well, Melbourne performing makes it a good trade for them. It's a bad trade for them on the to- on the night. At the time, yeah, yeah, exactly. Melbourne outside the eight and it was a bad trade. Um, but it, now that Melbourne are on top or second, I think, second on the ladder, um, it sort yeah, of makes it a little bit better. Um. But there were a whole lot of those sort of trades. Um, what it really ended up with, as I said, they got two first-round draft picks this year, um, two third-round draft picks, and no future second um, or no second-round draft so, pick. So just so you, just to put it in perspective, it's a it's a balanced trade if Melbourne finish uh, before academies and stuff. Um, if Melbourne finish fourth this year, that's that's the break-even point for Melbourne and. And basically, yeah, for Brisbane, they obviously wanted to finish lower than that. And if Melbourne finishes higher, then it just the the, the points wise, it just slips into Melbourne's favour. And what does that assume Brisbane finish in? Because Brisbane, you've got Brisbane's second round pick as well. Um, I mean, probably where they are. Yeah, um, yeah. Like it's, it's, a, it's it's assuming it's a. Um, what was it? Sorry, I closed it down. No, 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 it's all right. It's it's not. It's, I mean, it's not important. It's going to be close, um, but. Really, it's in Melbourne's best. In- if it's Melbourne and Brisbane in a prelim, um, that'll that could decide who wins the trade. They could send Melbourne down to third or fourth and give Melbourne a worse pick themselves, um, vice versa. Which I'm sure is what the players would be playing for if it was a prelim as well. Everyone cares about those draft picks. Um, take us through the uh, key players, Shawnee. Yep. So uh, key player, like I said, this. It's really difficult for now because I could shove a few of the future ones in as well now because they're performing. Um, but for now, I think keys to their success at the moment are obviously Lockie Neal, Charlie Cameron, Joe Danaher has come in and played a really important role um, since he's been doing that backup ruck role. I think, I think he's really come on very well for them. Um, Harrison Andrews, obviously, um, absolute superstar. Um, and Dane Zorko is is playing like he's 25 again <laughs> so you know yeah. that, that's pretty good um three years time and 
Look, Neil will still be there in three years, but they don't need... He's going to be a very handy contributor, but they need him to be slipping into the Scott Pendlebury-type role um, yep. by that stage. So, you know, you're looking at your Zach Bailey's, Charlie Cameron, obviously, he'll be, I think, 29 in three years' time. So he's getting older, but he's still going to be incredibly important for them. Uh, Hipwood, um, again, Danaher will still be there, but we need Hipwood to be numero uno by that stage. Um, Harris Andrews will, will still be... Um, most important for them. And then Hugh McCluggage is the other one. I just think that as he keeps growing and developing, he he's just going to become the absolute key for them. Like he, he can unlock defences. He can bring the ball inside 50, you know. Um, he's their Whitfield, you know. I, yep. I think I think Lockie Whitfield's a star. I love watching him play and, and I watch McCluggage and, you know, um, I know sometimes his kicking isn't as good, but... McCluggage is a more midfield version of Whitfield. Correct. Um, yeah. Like he he likes to he likes to play around the ball. He's more effective at stoppages. Um, he's good. He's a reasonable user of the ball around the ground, and he could improve a little bit. But set shot um, kicking. Yeah, you. I mean, you wouldn't play McCluggage on the half back flank. You're more likely to play him on the half forward flank. If you if you had to play him on either of the flanks, that's where he'd play. I think it's just more that, like, the way I look at him is he's a real, like, key to unlocking things for them yep. because of the way he plays. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, um, and yeah, but again, we could sit here and we could, you know, you could throw up, you know, Dev Robertson if he comes on like we think he, like you and I believe he should. He, he's going to be incredibly important for them. Um, uh, who else have they got here? Um, Starsevich keeps developing. Very. Uh, Barry. Barry's a good player and a leader. Um, uh, Rainer. Coleman. Uh, I mean, I like rate Coleman as a small forward. So they they got a lot of options. Yeah. Oscar. And got... Big Oscar yeah. McInerney. Yeah, I'm still not sold. He's going to be the premier ruckman they need. But Yeah, um, I think he's, he's, the same. He does, the, he does what they need him to do. So that's okay. Yeah. Know, so, sides have won flags without ruckman before. So. David Hale-esque. Yeah, yeah, but handy. Yeah, it's what I mean. Like, he's in, can take a mark around the ground, can kick a goal when he goes forward, can chop out in the ruck. He won't ever dominate in the ruck, or he might not dominate the better rucks, but he, he plays the role. Um, yeah. Good, bad, the ugly. Oh, uh, best 22, mate. You've jumped ahead. So Yeah, it's because it's good. Um, it's part <laughs> of the good. Uh, Stasevich, Harris Andrews, Archie across the back line. Virtual, Marcus Adams, Daniel Rich. Um, still on the back line, halfbacks. Um, across the middle, Mitch Robinson, Zorko, and McCluggage. Half forward, Cameron, Danaher, Bailey. Uh, full forward line, McStay, Hipwood, and McCarthy, with the Rucks being Omak, Neil, and Lyons. Uh, on the bench, we've got uh, Jared Berry, Dev Robinson, uh, Keaton Coleman, and Payne. Um, and I mean, look, out of that side at the moment, we've got Lester, who really has played most of the year. Um, and oh, he's, he's missed, I think, the last three, and he's still two weeks away. So, oh, injured, but yeah. like, sorry, uh, I forgot that we had him out of the side for injury. Um, because prior prior to that, I mean, he was playing a role in the side, and there's a couple of players that can sort of slot in there. Um, Rainer would definitely be in. I would say Gardner would also definitely be in. Um, uh, which probably takes Coleman and Payne out of the side. Um, it'd be interesting to see if Leicester gets back in uh, over Dev Robinson late in the year as sort of like a he's more of a hybrid role player now that Barry's back. 
be interesting yeah. to see where they go with it. Yeah, but I think the way Robertson's playing, they can't really. I agree. I, yeah. I, I agree. It like the only thing I'm thinking is that Barry's back. Like Rob Robinson yeah. was getting that role, but Barry's been injured. But now Barry's back. Whether they put him back into a dip role that he's not as strong in, then Lester is, as I said, can play forward, can play back, can play wing. Um, is yeah. bit more bit more useful, more experienced. They're going to be playing finals. Well, tied in with the good, mate. You've mentioned that the best 22 is the good. So Yeah, I mean, steady. Us. Steady best 22. Um, that was one of the things that when we were looking at their best 22, there were a core group of players that were just week in, week out in the side. Um, and that goes with both a combination of good injury management and also good list management. Um, having most of your players in that right age bracket ready to play um, and only having a few players that sort of really fifth in and out of the side and mostly to cover injuries. Guys like Matheson who comes in when Neil's been injured, for example. Um, but really that core group of players um, play 90% of games. Yeah. Yeah. And and look, we mentioned it before, you know, the impressive thing is like they've built a list the way you and I like, like to think we would. And, you know, fourteen. They've got fourteen players over twenty-six years old on their list, and thirteen are best twenty-two. The one that's not is Cam Ellis Yolman, who's you know midfield depth for them. Unfortunately, he's injured at the moment. But um, and they've got twenty-five players over the age of twenty-two, and of those twenty-five, nineteen are best twenty-two. One would be in the best twenty-two because he's injured, um, and then you've got five of guys over the age of twenty-two who sit outside of the best twenty-two. Like that that's a really, really targeted list build. They've yep. got that they, they, you know, you're in our best twenty two, um, or, or you cut pretty much. And and look, of those five outside, you've got Nakia Cockatoo, um, Archie Smith, who's ruck depth, but you know, we'll talk about him a bit later. Um, obviously Camel Yolman I mentioned, um, Gardner's the injured one, and then it's Tom Fulton and Connor Balladin who are you know, key key position, big men, ruckman, key position players. So, you know, having over 20, 22-year-old versions of those guys is okay because, you, you know, you might hold them till 25 to see if they turn out all right, um, yep. given that big men do take time. Um, so, so, like, you look at it and you go, yeah, I've got no problems with any of these players over the age of 22 being on this list. Um, yeah, and it, it's probably one of the harder things. I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but even looking at their out-of-contracts, there there's not a whole lot of changes that we'd be making um, right now to this. The, it, it seems pretty well set up and structured across the board. So it's the list is built for now and it's performing. It's doing well. Yeah, yeah. But I guess that, that so this is the other way it cuts is that because they don't have a lot of over-22 depth uh, players effectively um, it means that you know injuries can really bite them but at the same time they've got some really good youngsters like dev and and that sort of thing so um, you know potentially if the young kids are as good as we think they are then it doesn't matter as much so yeah. um, as we said the list is building for now and it is performing and the medical department is keeping it on the field which is fantastic Um the bad, I just mentioned depth. It, 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 
it can be good. It can be bad. It's good from a list build perspective because you've always got um, regeneration coming through. Yeah, um, and and you like the is a like I remember we were saying before. I mean, I think I was saying like Mitch Robinson types would be useful for depth when you want to be winning finals. But it's also awesome that when you have an injury that you have to put a young player in those roles. Um, Correct. It lets you test them out really quickly. So it's a good and a bad thing. Exactly. And, and you know, like when we talk about the under-22 players, like Bailey, Payne, Rayner, um, we're looking at Kadeen Coleman, Tom Berry, Brandon Starsevich, Nara Answorth, um, uh, who else we got there, Dev, um, Harry Sharp, you know, um, they've got some couple of speculative ruckmen in um, Henry Smith and and Kalen Lane, uh, Carlin Lane, I should say. Yeah. So you know, and Connor McFadden, Eli Smith, you know, these sorts of guys are there as well. Yeah, there's so, a lot of lot of guys there that could turn out. Exactly. So it's not it's, it's like it's okay to have a bit of the speculative. It's just if they don't turn out and you get injuries, that's when it's bad. So it's a it's a it's a good and bad that one. <laughs> Um, The next one's more just bad, um, which is that the major sponsor is a betting agency. Um, I think they're the only AFL club that have that, um, like a jumper sponsor being a betting agency. And I I, I don't want to confirm that one way or another, but I I think I would remember if any of the others had a major sponsor being a betting agency, like one of the top two. Um, But that's disappointing. I mean, it sort of comes from... Um, a little bit about what the ugly is about, which is the poor financial position that the Lions are in and have been in for a few years. Um, it was only a couple of years ago where they brought Neds on as a sponsor, I think two seasons, and um, they lost a key sponsor in that off-season as well. Um, so it's got to be something that they resolve longer term. I would hope that they don't want to keep a betting agency as one of their major sponsors, but I don't think, I think that potentially there's some AFL rules about this. That may mean that this is the last deal. Okay. Um, Good. Not in a good way, because that means the AFL has cut its own deal. Um, uh, that that kind okay yeah um i, I don't like, I, they're, I they're, need, I, like they've cut a deal with sports bet to be the exclusive partner so therefore neds can't take any ad space with a club something something like, that. something like that so yeah well look i mean it, it yeah i don't really want to mention we, it yeah, we could do, you, we could, you and i don't agree with gambling in footy um we, we, we could we could do a whole episode on this like we, the, i think we have <laughs> i think we have i think we've done that this is the smoking and alcohol and it, look, alcohol is even better than gambling. There's, like, oh, I'm not sure I'd say it, but yeah, I, uh, I, I would, I, I would say that I, I reckon that gambling is probably more harmful on society at the moment than alcohol. I don't know. Okay, you're right. They're both, they're both bad. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll leave, I leave it as that. Smoking, smoking is clearly terrible. Um, yeah. and I think that gambling is, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, going to go. Let's we'll, we'll, we'll cut it. <laughs> yeah, just just move on from this one, mate. Like, I, I don't mean in a bad way, but you know, we're talking about vices here, and, and they have a huge impact on the community. So yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah and, you're totally and, right. And and we like and and you know, I love one of the things has been that you know the AFL is trying to reduce clubs' reliance on gambling. Um, and you know, I'd love to see Brisbane move in the right direction, but as you said, 
they've got to, they've got finances to deal with, and you know if um, if it's within the AFL rules and Ned's uh, the one willing yep. to stump up the money, then you know you can't you yep. can't really blame them. So, I mean, when we talk about the existing debt plus COVID, um, I think it's really important to acknowledge that. Um, in 2019, they turned a profit for the first time in 12 years, which is fantastic for the Lions. And I had a look through the financial report before the episode. They did surprisingly well through COVID as well. Obviously, having the games in Queensland helped, um, but they they did they they made a loss. But you know, pretty much every AFL club did. But yeah. they they contained that loss. Um, it didn't spiral as far as it, you know, potentially could have if there was no crowds and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, full credit for the work they did. Um, that said, you know, they're $15 to $16 million in debt. So their debt is up there with St Kilda as some yep. of the worst in the AFL. Put the expansion clubs aside and we just talk about the 16 main cl- the sixteen foundation clubs. Uh, or foundation, I can't even say that. Uh, the 16 clubs before the expansion. Yeah, before most um, recent expansion. Yeah, so you talk about them and and Brisbane, um, yeah, sixteen million dollars in debt. It's the same as what we said about St Kilda. It, it debt is a killer. Um, it it risks their ability to match on field. So at the moment, obviously, we've had a cut in the soft cap, which is you know probably going to favour Brisbane because potentially you know if it was at nine million, they couldn't spend nine million. Yeah, um, well, there shouldn't be. Yeah, with um, their financial position. Yeah, so they would spend the minimum and and everything, and you can see like clubs like Brisbane, you can see how they make it work. Um, they, you know, they've got great medical, which comes under the soft cap, so they make they're finding a way to make it all work. However, that said, ongoing profitability, um, and as they move forward as a club, is a big thing, and. Yep. The problem with it being 2019 being the first time they've turned a profit in 12 years is that it's directly linked to performance. So if their profit and losses are directly linked to performance, then they run the risk of, if they go through another downturn like they did post-2010, yep. can the club survive? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Without, without AFL assistance. Well, every club has AFL assistance, so I think it's funny when you hear and not. I know you you're you not saying big, it that yeah, way. I know, yeah. But yeah. but it's probably just something for all our listeners. No club is unassisted by the AFL. We can't. You can't say, you know, like I hear people say, oh, you know, bankroll by the AFL. Well, you know, Hawthorne, which gets the least amount of bankroll, is still bankrolled to the tune of ten million. Yeah. Um, and and Brisbane last year, their distribution was I think it was fifteen point something, fifteen point six or something. Um and and they got less money than St Kilda. They got less money than Gold Coast and GWS. So, you know, they're not the most AFL assisted club out there. Um and that distribution that they get, you know, the difference between Hawthorne and them is is five point something million. So um it's not. It's not huge. Well, I guess it's yeah. You know, to, I, to Hawthorne, I, it's double, but it's fifty percent more to them. Yeah, thirty percent less, whichever way you want to cut it. But it's not huge bickies, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think with like with so much of this, it, the both Queensland clubs 
are in the scheme of things new um, with the Lions what being formed after the Bears in the late 90s, early 1000s. Um, 7, I want to say, 98. Yeah. Um, and so still one of the newest clubs in the competition. Um, and the Gold Coast Suns, obviously, um, the second newest club in the competition. So probably three, uh, two of the three newest clubs in the comp. Um, and it's just it's going to be hard for a long period of time in Queensland which isn't a traditional football state or it has other sports which dominate more than football AFL does um to be um unassisted to a greater extent um and i guess it's just is that a problem is in will they always be assisted more and is that just fine because where the aim is to grow the game um, nationally, and in order to do so, you need professional teams in all states. Yeah. Will the AFL ever reach a point where they say all clubs need to stand on their own two feet? I probably don't think so. Um, no. Given the way that the AFL is run, I don't think that they'll ever do that. Um, so a lot of this is the debt's bad um, because the debt influences decision-making and you don't want to be in a position where you, your decision-making is influenced by your financial position um, in a negative way. Uh, but I don't think that it's going to mean that they fold or um, are in a position like that, even if their performance is poor. I just think that we probably need to rethink the way that we judge, especially I, I think probably more Gold Coast who haven't ever reached the levels of performance that um, that Brisbane are at, but in general, Queensland uh, expansion states, um, we need to just lay off them a little bit and continue the investment. Yeah, look, I've got no issues with any of that. I still think, and I and I believe they've got, you know, it looks to be like they've got the right people. You know, Greg Swan's up there now. Um, and and I I guess as long as there's a path to profitability, I guess, and that's probably the one thing that worries me when we talk about this, the, the Suns, I don't see a path to profitability. Now, now Brisbane, you know, they've shown they can be profitable in a year-in-year revenue side and and you know, part of that's linked to performance, which is, I guess, a little bit of a concern. However, I still think there's a way to make them profitable ongoing. Um, yep. And, you know, part of that may be that, you know, because a lot of their debt, when I was looking at the finances, looks like it's held by the AFL. So if that's the case and the AFL can do things to support them, you know, they may not have as larger um, interest repayments or something like that, you know. Um, you'd just like to see, I guess... Um, them, you know, demolish their debt effectively. Yep. Um, and I believe that if, if they had the, the decks wiped clean for themselves, they would be able to, over the next 10 years, return themselves to, you know, a good level of profitability. You know, every kind of three out of every four years, they're profitable and maybe they have one down year. Yep. But I feel like they'd be able to manage that through. Um, yeah. But debt is a killer, and that's and that's ultimately that's unfortunately the ugly for them. That debt is just weighing on them. So um, hopefully they can they can clear the decks. Supporters get around them. I know, you know, Melbourne. It took supporters, you know, chipping into the back pocket and 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 digging in for the club, and that we were able to eliminate, you know, kind of eight million dollars worth of our debt, you know, and and that has made a huge difference to the footy club. So you know, Brisbane supporters, former Lions supporters. You know, if you can 
support them because it's important to help help the club survive long term and make it viable. So, yep. Um, off contracts, mate. Um, yeah, I'll read bit, them. Yeah, thanks. As I said, it was a bit hard, but can t- go. Archie Smith. Uh, one or two years, and the it's probably one year. Really, he's just depth. Um, he's in the side if Oscar McInerney's injured. Yeah, I've got a feeling he's on the rookie list. Hang on. Yeah, he's on the rookie list. He's 26 years old and has uh, played 11 games. I'm actually going to delist him given the amount of rucks they've got. Yeah, I just don't think that any of their other rucks are ready. Like Archie Smith is at least 26, um, which means he's more physically ready than a lot of those guys that are 20. Um, So I'm happy to keep him for a year. Yeah, look, I'm probably, yeah. I, I, it's, it's fine. Agree, agree, yep. agree to disagree. Brock Smith? Um, one year or D-list. Um, hasn't seen AFL yet. And look, I didn't rate him that much in his draft here. Um, I guess it's really hard for anyone that was drafted at the end of 2019, start of 2020, because they missed a full year effectively um, of their development. So uh, one year is probably the right thing to do, but D-list if they need to create list space. Yep. Um, Connor Balladon. Uh I've Balladin. given him just like the whole mixture. Trade one year or D-list. Um, and a lot of it depends, again, on whether they need to create list space. Um, because I, I would probably keep him in an ideal world. Um, I think that he's got tools to be a useful player. But just whether they have the space to do that or they need to create room. Um, there's probably be some other clubs that would bite be interested yeah i think he's so he's been put to the rookie list okay or maybe he was taken through the rookie list i'm not sure i can't remember um yeah look i actually really liked him in his draft year um so it's hard to see him not quite there um he's a big boy like he's 200 centimeters so you know, potentially take some time. If they've got another year left on the rookie list cycle, I'd re-rookie him. Otherwise, I'd probably delist. Um, yep. I mean, to me, it probably comes in with a choice on Tom Fullerton as well because he's also rookie list. Yeah, he is. Yep, Tom Fullerton is on the rookie list. So, you know, it probably comes into a choice with him and Tom Fullerton and I'd probably take Fullerton at the moment. So yep. I'd, I'd probably promote Fullerton to the main list with a two-year deal. And Delis Ballenden. Okay. Um, Fulton, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'd give him one to two years. Um, I don't know if there's an AFL player there yet. Um, I think a lot of people liked him um, seeing how well he moved for a big guy. Um, I don't think that it's just about that because I think Archie Smith moves well for a big guy. Um, so I think he's going to have to come a fairly long way pretty quickly to be a useful AFL player. Still, still twenty-two, so there's still time. But it's the same with Balladin. Like, I'd, I'd say I've seen more from, um, from yeah, Fulton. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yep. uh, and like, like I'm saying, if it's a decision between the two, I'm probably going for Fulton personally. Yep. Um, but I mean, look, ideally, you know, you want to both. If you could, if you if you could keep Balladin on the rookie list, I'd do yeah. that. Um, Connor McFadden. Uh One year or D-list if you need to create list space. Um, ideally a year um, because he's got some upside. Uh, he's part of that 
youngish group of players that can come in and play a supporting role. And I think that he's thereabouts. So I'd probably give him a year, but again, do list if you need space. Yep. Um, I don't mind that. Um, Dan Rich. Yeah, one year. Um, still playing good football. Yeah, I'm probably doing one with a trigger for a second, given he's over 31. I don't mind putting a trigger one in there. He's yep. like, if he's still playing well, I think he, he should just have an easy rollover deal. So, yeah, agree. Virtual. Uh, one year or retire, just depending on how he's feeling and playing at the end of the year. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him move him on. Yep. Personally, um, they don't. I guess virtual isn't their kind of long term player, so um, the loyalty aspect probably isn't so much there. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him moving on. But personally, I, I, I'd leave it up to him. He's a one year deal. He, you know, no guarantees on a on a game day spot, um, or if he chooses to retire. So he's handy to have an extra coach out there, I guess. So um, yep. James Madden. Yeah, I'd give him one or two years, um, probably one. Again, a lot of this is to do with list flexibility. Um, and that's why I'm suggesting one or D-list for a lot of players because ideally I would probably, like when I first went through, I actually said keep them all. Um, and then I went back and have made some adjustments since then to reduce the length of contracts just because they don't have many clear players that, haven't worked or won't work so they're gonna they'll, they'll know their players better and be able to make calls on them but yeah one to two for him yep yep that's all right that's, the last couple of weeks that's fair um Kadeen coleman yeah i think it's keaton um so keaton? yeah that's i mean that's yeah but you're right it's spelt Kadeen, um but i've heard it pronounced keaton so i'm not keaton. really sure um but two years i uh, like like what i've seen yeah, I agree. I, I really like what I see with him. So, um, Lincoln McCarthy. That's Give an it. interesting one. Yeah, I mean, it could be a serious trigger deal. Um, like, I'd give him two years, but you could also offer him one plus one plus one um, or something of that nature. Or um, two plus one, but the like a performance trigger in each of the first two years of that two-year deal, like on games played. So if he plays, say, less than 10 games, then it's low. Mm. Um, uh, but there's definitely, given the injury history, he needs to have performance triggers. Yeah, look, I agree. And I've I got a feeling he's been on one-year deals since he was up at the Lions. Probably. That would um, make sense. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm probably, yeah, sitting in the aspect where you, you put a three-year deal in front of him, but every year's got a trigger for the next. Yeah. Um, so that one plus one plus one, I guess. Yeah. Um, Marcus Adams could probably fall in the same boat. Yeah, pretty injury prone. It'd probably take two years. Uh, I mean, two 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 year deal um, seems like probably what I'd give him. But um, trigger trigger clauses would be useful or heavily performance based and two year yep. deal. Yeah, or you could offer him a two year base with performance to load him up. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yep. Yep. Uh, Mitch Robinson, not Robinson, uh, Robinson. I'd probably give him a year. Um, he's still contributing, um, but he's one of those players that's getting towards the end as well. Yeah, look, I, I think it's a bit the same as Birchall. I'd, I'd put the put the offer on the table, and if he wants to play on, no guarantees, and if he wants to retire, he can. So yeah. um, I think he's done wonderful things up there, and 
he's really, really, really shown Carlton up, hasn't he? Yep. Yeah, he's been a, he's been a really great player for them. Well, seven years. That's, that's you know, it's, uh, it feels like he was at Carlton just yesterday, but seven years. Yeah, he was a good so, player at Carlton as well. Um, yeah. So, not, not that surprising. Mm. Um, Reese Matheson. Uh, probably in the very best case scenario for the Lions, you would find a trade partner for him. Um, but otherwise, probably offer him a year, um, maybe two on minimum money. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jeez, he's a tough one, isn't he? Um, you just can't, like, with a guy like him who's not best 22, uh, you can't be paying him overs when, yeah. like, you can't be paying him even, say, 300000 250000 a year because it's twice what you actually want to be paying for a person in that role. You want to be paying rookie like well the lowest wage you can. Yeah, I'd probably say you know if AFL average is three thirty or whatever it is. Yeah, like maybe maybe it's under that with performance triggers because him playing well can be in the best twenty two. Yeah. So you got to give him. I just think you got to give him incentive. I'd personally keep him because he's the kind of depth you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're right. I just like to have a lot of that type of player, a lot of not quick mids, uh, which is what. (laughs) Which I mean, I don't don't want to say like it's that's that's the right thing because Lockie Neal's not slow, but he's not a quick mid. Like he's he's a mid. He's just a midfielder. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And same with Dev Robinson. So yeah, Dev Robinson, Lions, like you, all of those guys are they're not they're not speed demons. Yeah, but in a in a weird way, having Matheson's kind of good because it's a like for like, literally plug and play. Yeah, you so, gotta get you gotta get rid of C Y if you don't if you've got Matheson then because yeah, well they should get flexibility to be able to like put him on the rookie list. I think this year. Okay. If they can, they can delist him, guarantee a rookie spot, and guarantee money unless they negotiate out. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, which is what quite a few clubs have done with guys like that. So. Yep. Uh, Tom Joyce is the final one. Uh, one year deal. He's playing good footy in the VFL. Um, it's probably unlucky that the midfield is going so well. Uh, I think that he's probably the type of player that I've wanted to be keeping. Okay. Fair call. Um, trade and draft, mate. So this one was an interesting one because we went back and forward a bit on it. Um, but I guess what's missing? Um, yeah, I mean, no, no, nothing. Um, really, nothing's missing. Um, what, and that's what it ultimately comes down to is that what could you, what could make the side better? Um, would be a better ruck or a better depth ruck. Um, so someone to be a proper number two ruck that can come into the side um, if there's an injury that's just higher quality than um, Archie Smith. But equally, you could also pick in someone that could be your first ruck um, and play two rucks. Um, OMAC has a deep forward and probably puts Darcy... McStay, um, McStay on the fringes um, but that I don't think would also be the worst thing I think that'd probably be better structured up that way yep um, um, and the yeah. other one the other one was just the 
how do you replace Birchall and Rich, um, so halfback flankers with shoes? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's probably the area that I foresee the biggest weakness upcoming for them. Um, you know, it's not like they haven't got halfback flankers that they could put guys there, but they did probably the guy that was the depth was was Witherden, and they traded him out. Um, and they've got their reasons, and that's fine. But um, I guess that just means they're just going to find whatever's next. Um, trade bait wise, um, Matheson, as you kind of mentioned, um, see what's there. Um, I think Ballenden you can't really trade because he's a rookie. I think he can probably walk as a rookie. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I, I wasn't sure if he was on the rookie list or not. Yeah. Um, and then, so kind of, I was thinking, like, they've got. It's like Gardner or McStay. Like I feel like those guys have value um, yeah. on the market. So one of them you could potentially put up if you needed draft capital, but I don't think they need draft capital. So it, it's kind of a bit of a funny one where, you know, we're, we're probably just picking things out because we have to pick, we have to talk about something, but I don't really think they really have a lot of trade bait that they'd be interested in trading. Um, I tell, it, like, I mean, I'd say it would be interesting and I actually don't know if this is fair or you'd probably need to have something going back the other way. But Gardner and McStay and maybe a pick for Gold Coast's first pick in this year's draft. Yeah. I mean, McStay alongside Ben King takes a lot of the pressure off King. McStay's not an absolute beast, but he's definitely the second best forward at Gold Coast. Um, him, him, and Sam Day would be able to help King a lot. And t- like what I was thinking was Sam Day's old, like getting old, um, older. Um, he's getting to, he's reaching thirties. Um, and Gardner really steps in uh, to that backline to replace what was Rory Thompson, but actually provides like he can swing between um, third and fifth tall. Like he can play on smalls. Yeah. So it could be. I mean. I just don't. I don't probably don't think Brisbane would want to do it. Is the only thing I think that they'll probably be happy just keeping those guys. Yeah, I do too. But Not just, out of contract. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good one though. I do. I do like the idea of trading their two firsts. Um, I mean, if they end up being, you know, uh, somewhere but two two picks between fifteen and eighteen. Yeah. Um, Push back probably end up being somewhere between eighteen and twenty-two. Yeah, probably similar to the two picks they traded away last year. Yep. Um, I feel like they could potentially, um, uh, I guess, get say like a pick seven ish. Yeah, for that pick pick eight something around there. Yeah, um, if, I, if I was a club with a like a, a mid a mid tier club, like a Frio. Yeah, like as in if I was a Frio, I could I like Frio obviously. Um, but if I had a pick eight or something like that, I would be more than happy to move it back to 16, 17. Yeah. You know, people can't see you that you've got your Freo scarf. On I know. Yeah, sitting on the chair. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You like Freo. You support Freo, mate. I know. <laughs> I, I just mean, I um, like I'm not just pulling out a club. I'm, I'm thinking about something that I would actually consider doing. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, just moving into some of those other options, just quickly. Um, so they've got currently, they're sitting at 16 and 17 in the first round and 49 and 53 in the third round. Um, they don't have a second round pick, which traded to Melbourne. But 
one of the options that I was sort of throwing around um, was whether they could move out one of those first round picks uh, to North Melbourne for Goldstein, but they would yeah. need they would need cash concessions. So it would need to be Goldstein plus Goldstein salary, um, like as in almost all of it except for say minimum player wage for pick seventeen. Which could like it's I mean it's interesting. Um, well, the North- Trelaw deal has uh, opened up. I mean, it, AFL's always had like these little bits and pieces where previous clubs pay bits of people's salary and everything. But I think the Trelaw deal and the size of it, the amount of money that Collingwood's contributing has potentially, you know, hopefully it's moving us towards that NBA type where they actually use salary as a trade chip. Yeah, you can trade cap holds, you can trade lots of different things, um, which is, yeah, I, I think super useful. But like in this case, would one year of Goldstein, really, he's getting older now, he's probably almost 35, um, for Brisbane be useful? Yes, super yeah. useful. Um, is it going to be that useful for North who are rebuilding, who could be giving that role to a, Jerry um, or one of the draft picks that they've had or even Tom Campbell while they rebuild, probably not going to be like that impactful for them. They're down the bottom at the moment. They're probably not going to be moving outside of the bottom four next year either. Just turned 33 has Todd Goldstein. There you go. So 35 by the end of his two-year deal at Brisbane. Um, <laughs> perfect. Um, so the, the only other options I was thinking were players that would be closer to... Um, or below AFL average wage, which means they'd probably be able to fit them on their books, um, but young. So guys like Sydney Stack, Will Gould, who we obviously love, um, but Will Gould is in the mould of that um, halfback flanker with a big leg. Um, he's really Daniel Rich um, in, in that sort of replacement. A little bit um, taller, but yeah. A little bit taller, Daniel Rich. Um, and Sydney Stack is one of those people that can play on those back flanks as well. Um, proven to be able to be a lockdown defender and a reasonable user of the ball. So either of those would probably be pretty good options. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Um, I mean, I think that's that's the thing for them. They, you know, ideally, if they could go out and pick up a, a Hayden Young, um, that would be ideal for them. Yep. Um, but yeah, that, that'll that cost a lot, potentially 17 and 16. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you're right though. Like that that would be a bold play for them to trade 17 and 16 and try to shake loose a Hayden Young um, who would fit yeah. straight into their best team and be a future player for him. Yeah. Um, and then NGA-wise, look, they've got, I mean, as always, they've, they've always got a lot of NGA kids. Um, Brisbane so Academy or whatever it's called. Yeah, so it's hard to kind of um, pick a few, but we've kind of just had a look um, at guys we recognise in the names um, as well as as guys who are getting, you know, um, time in the VFL team. So it uh, still feels weird saying VFL. <sighs> Just so dumb. Anyway, um, yeah, I know. Rather than like southeast it, AFL, or, yeah, southeast east, like east, really east east coast AFL. Yeah, it's it's all all states along the eastern coast. Yeah, um, and, and Tasmania. Yeah, it's just crazy. Um, yeah. So they got uh, Taj uh, Abley. So he's a um, a small kind of utility type player. Um, plays off the half back line. 
Um, so yeah, he he looks reasonably handy. Saxon Crozier and Toby Triffitt, um, both midfielders. Um, Triffitt has registered <laughs> quite a lot of tackles recently. Um, Crozier has played, I think, seven games for four times in best for Brisbane this season in VFL. So, yeah. um, you know, and he's had a couple of games averaging high 20, oh, sorry, not averaging, picking up high 20s in the, in possessions. Looks reasonably handy. So he, he's probably the, the highest ranking of their players this year. Yeah. Um, Jack uh, Brisky, uh, who's like, a, he's a tall uh, key forward, but... Um, they said last week he was playing down defence, so so maybe I guess they're trying to develop a bit of utility in him. Um, 190, 495 centimetres. So, Maybe you know, having having that sort of guy come through, I mean, he's he's not really... Um, I don't think he's going to shoot up draft boards or anything But um, from what I've seen, but he's kind of that nice development player. You can either stick on a rookie list or, or pick late in the draft and, and just spend time and develop and it probably also allows you to move on a Ballenden and or, or someone like that um, with that sort of development coming through and that's the way their list has kind of done it so yep. um, I guess yeah when looking if they went into the draft with 16 and 17 what are the who are they looking for what are they taking yeah I mean I think um, pre-podcast we were sort of talking about what they're not what they shouldn't be taking is probably more mids um, yep. that is don't it's really. Tough, it's a tough draft not to take a mid. It is, and so like I'll put a caveat on that. You can pick explosive mids, um, like quick, quick and pacey mids, um, like in the mold of Zach Bailey, um, because those guys are always impactful because they can play forward as well. Um, but really, people that can play a role um, would be super useful. So Josh Fay is part of the Greater Western Sydney Academy. Um, Mac Andrew, part of the Melbourne NGA, um, is sort of a tall. Uh, Rochelle, if he slips, I mean, his form has been down this year, so uh, he's someone that I could see slipping back to the end of the first round, early second. Um, Goda, who's like a bit more of an athletic profile um, and sort of sitting around the end of that first round as well. Uh, Wilmot as like a defender type um, on the halfback flank, does he play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, a def- he's a smaller defender, general defender. So yeah, maybe not quite the wheeling and dealing thereafter, but um, you know, could just, release someone else. Just role players, like it's in because I think that they've got enough midfield role players in your Berry types. Um, Dev Robinson, who they drafted recently, obviously, um, and uh, what was the guy's name that? We were talking about before Tom Joyce, like players like that, where it's like, okay, I think they've got enough for that type right now. Um, but there are some players that they could. I would like to see if they could bring someone that would be knocking down the door in the first two seasons. Yeah, it'd be nice if they could get their hands on Faye. I think, um, I think he would he would be a nice fit for them. So, yep. Um, unfortunately, I think being GWS is tied, and they don't have the same first round rules as everyone else. Um, oh, don't they? Uh, do, okay. I don't, I'm not sure. I, yeah, I've got a I, feeling they. they I thought don't. it was only father sons, um, but I don't know either. Um, so we can check on that. Um, I'd well, say that they're called Northern Academies, aren't they? Yeah. What like an interesting an interesting option for them as well is to not 
use those first two picks. Um, send them both to a club like Collingwood, Gold Coast, uh, maybe Essendon um, for a future and like just go for a future first round draft pick and back that those clubs are going to finish bottom eight again and not worry because the list is pretty full um, with players as well. So this really depends on how they treat their delisting and their academy players because yeah. they might just go, if we take in 49 and 53, we'll cover off our academy picks um, and we'll just take academy prospects this year and we'll, we'll worry about it next year. It's not going to affect them too much in the long run and we'll offset that decision until next year. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. It, uh, sorry, I'm just kind of looking up what the rules are. Um, we'll, have to, <laughs> we'll have to come back. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's interesting with what they... There's just so much they can do having multiple draft picks. I mean, you saw last year they, they offloaded them to Melbourne. Melbourne wanted them... Um, they're probably going to end up with a pair again, roughly around the same. So, you know, trade it forward if you don't need the picks. You know, try and get up the order if you can find the right player. Um, you know, a Josh Sin slips to pick eight, go get Freo's pick eight. Um, he's the kind of player they're after. So, yeah, I mean, it's a great position for him to be. Um, it's a it's an awesome position. Like they could just wait and just select best available at both picks in any role, and they'd be pretty yeah. well they'd be pretty well off. They can do that, and they've been able to like they've been quite good at really trading into the future for the last few years as well. So they could take one of them and trade one of them. Like they they've got options aplenty, which is really lucky. Um, different to some other clubs that always seem to be in going into a new draft without any picks and having to work out how they can get them. Um, Brisbane are always able to make deals happen because they've got capital. Um, So they're really well placed. I mean, really insights, final words um, from, from me is not a lot. Uh, (laughs) Like the, of all of the lists, really of all of the lists in the AFL, if I had to be taking one right now, it'd be Brisbane. Um, They're well-balanced. They've got pretty well-balanced age profiles. They've got some good experienced players that look like they could move on, but they look like they have enough players that are also coming through and knocking on the door. Um, I mean, Western Bulldogs and Melbourne have obviously got similarly balanced sides in terms of a good amount of young players and a good amount of senior players. But when you're in those positions, there's not a whole lot that you have to do. Um, So... Unfortunately, the hardest thing is that you have to win. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's the reality. Melbourne probably have a get out, get out of jail free because this this is the first year of this sort of top performance. Yeah. Um, but Brisbane have been around the mark for a few years now. Um, they have to turn this into a grand final appearance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or a prelim, like I mean, prelim, probably prelim. Like I think it's unfair to say you have to make a grand final, but. They have to win one final. Yeah. So look, I think if they finish top four, I would say it's it's grand final. Like that's the. But like that, when we use that same logic, uh, that's the same for Western Bulldogs, Melbourne, and Port Adelaide or Geelong. Like it's a failure if you don't make the grand final, and it's just really hard to make a grand final. Is the reality? I think that 
they would want to win a grand final within three years. I I don't think there's three years left in their top. You don't five reckon there's players. three? Yeah, no, so because I just I, no, and no, I'm saying no, that's I'm not saying that. I think I think that you know at the moment Zorko Rich are playing at the top of their game, and you know Zorko's you know 33 by the start of next season. Rich is you know almost 32 um and and you're relying on those two to continue performing at that level um as well as you know not be struck down by injuries again like uh, i yeah i just i think i feel like it's got to be the next two years to sneak an early one and then the rest of the list will come on and then they'll kind of you know give it kind of you know, three, four years from now, they'll be, you know, they might just have a little dip when they lose a bit of experience and then kick up. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you're winning a flag, like this year, for example, gives yeah. them the opportunity to snowball positively. Um, like as in, you can lose players gracefully over the next few years. People want to come to your club because you've been in a grand final and you're one of those threatening sides. So, yeah, yeah, they, they'll be thereabouts, but... but... I... I, I... Yeah, I mean, I think the dif- the difference for the dogs in Melbourne is this is the first year both of them for the last four years uh, top four contending. Like, yeah. whereas Port, Geelong, Brisbane, these sides have been there the last couple of years. Yeah, um, and and realistically for Port, it's the same. It's the same. Um, it's the same scenario for them. Yeah, they've I... been in this spot. Um, Geelong, Geelong, we all know. We know where their list is at. Yeah, Ge- I mean, I think it goes Geelong, Port, Brisbane in terms of um, how that drop-off looks. Like the Port Adelaide is still more reliant on their experienced players like Charlie Dixon, Boak. Um, oh yeah, than- yep. But 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 Boak and Zor- you can correlate Boak and Zorko between yeah, Zorko. the two sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a tough one. I'll be. Um, very- yeah, yeah, you're right. It. <laughs> I think I think we're ready to wrap up the the podcast, but. Um, Look, yeah, I mean, I guess probably the only the only other thing I'll say with Brisbane is um, I, I agree with your sentiment. It's probably one of the nicest lists in the AFL. Um, I think think that what they've done there is absolutely brilliant. So, you know, in the past probably, what, five years, they've just methodically rebuilt the list. They've taken the good core brought in some really good picks and traded in just excellence. And that is basically that I mean that's the recipe that that took Hawthorne to flags. So um it's kind of like all the ingredients are in the pot. Um feels like it it's coming to a nice simmer and the time is just about right for them to to really take it. So um that's probably yeah I'm I'm bullish on them because I really do expect them to be in the grand final this year because I think they can and they should be there. So yeah, and I mean they've gone what semi final the year before, prelim final last year, and their their players, most of the players that are playing week in week out for them, have got that finals experience now. Um, yeah. So let's let's see how it shapes out, mate. Um, yeah. Thanks thanks again for um, thanks again for another good pod. 
I'm, I'm enjoying getting through the list reviews and um, we're getting through the top sides as well. There's only really the other sides that we haven't done yet are what Geelong and maybe Port. I think yep. Geelong and Port were the only other two teams that we didn't get to last year. Um, and they're both sitting on uh, 44 points and 124.4 and 123.4 percentage points. So pretty even on the ladder. Let's go with uh, Port Adelaide being higher than them on the ladder. So um, we can do Port Adelaide next. Yep. Sounds good. Port Adelaide. It is. I'm excited. Awesome, guys. Well, have a, have a great night, Shawnee. Uh, thanks again for listening, guys, and look forward to have a great week. Um, and yeah, we'll all chat to you again soon. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, listeners. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. If you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen, you're not alone. One in four Australians will experience anxiety. No one anxiety is talking. Visit Beyond Blue to start a life beyond anxiety.